This is Primary First, a podcast focused on helping Catalyst Health Network members improve the way they work and the results they achieve. This week on Primary First, Dr. Michelle Forbes walks us through some common misconceptions about prospective payment that she's heard from others in the physician community, as well as potential for advanced primary care to expand the reach and impact of physicians. As you describe that um, the experience, it's it's uh, hard for me not to notice that there's a, a philosophical sort of um, I don't know excitement maybe about the idea of uncoupling fee for service that visit dependent nature of how you get paid um, from from the patient physician experience, but there's the and the stability I guess that you also described of it's a stable more sustainable type approach to care. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, it's the, how do I do that? The practicality piece of it. You've got docs who, as you put it, and um, I think, I think uh, most docs would agree, they've learned how to work and operationalize uh, mm-hmm. a service model. Uh, and they have an engine at their clinic now that runs a fee-for-service model. Yes. Um, so how do I now start to imagine what that might look like from a perspective payment standpoint? One frequent concern that was expressed was this was capitation 2.0. I want no part of it. No, thank you. <laughs> and, and, sure. and you know that that really was due to not being able to manage downstream costs. And so we're talking about ancillary services, radiology lab, hospitals, ERs. And one of the benefits of of being part of Catalyst is we have data, we have relationships with like-minded physicians who want to provide quality care but do it at a reasonable cost. And I, when I say we, we have physicians who we have relationships with, those are specialists, hospital systems, lab facilities, radiology facilities. And so I was very grateful to say, hey, this is what your network is doing for you on your behalf. We are considering downstream costs and, and doing everything we can to mitigate them. Another perception, was that practices would lose money if they had to sacrifice their income producing centers and their practices. So labs, procedures, you know, you mentioned some some have really built an efficient machine to operationalize fee for service and you know concern about losing income. But one of the points I really wanted to emphasize with those who are quite fearful is this is an opportunity for us to change our future as physicians. This is not a government mandate. It's not an insurance mandate. It is an opportunity that we can take to lead. There was also fear that there would be a 100 percent transition from fee-for-service to advanced primary care in the next year. And an additional benefit to doing this is this is a very phased rollout. This is an opportunity for the members of the network to gain experience, learning, provide feedback, so that we can retool it so that it is beneficial for our patients and beneficial for our physicians. 
one of the things I noticed as well is uh, that there, and I think it probably stems from the decapitation that you mentioned of the 90s, is that this was a vehicle for either transitioning their fee-for-service dollars straight over to uh, prospective payment dollars, so they just got paid a different way, um, or even a way to somehow trim some, some cost out of healthcare mm -hmm. by decreasing the amount of dollars that we'd see flowing in our offices. Uh, one of the points um, that I always like to, to remind them of, and I, I'm, I'm guessing probably had some similar conversations, is we're looking at this as an opportunity to really invest in primary care. We're talking about adding more dollars into the primary care office so that you can actually practice medicine the way you want to practice and not be tied to this fee-for-service sort of mechanism of care delivery. I agree. This is different because this is primary care physician led and you know said before i mean it's our ability to create molds and retool this with the goal of recognizing primary care is what keeps patients alive a trusting relationship with your primary care physician yields benefits and that relationship should be respected by payers and should be rewarded for keeping people healthy. And here's our opportunity to participate in that and to advocate for our, the value that we bring as primary care physicians. As docs, I think, uh, you know, we default uh, when pressed to what's good for the patient here. You know, is this a change that is actually going to result in a better outcome for the patient. So I wonder in your conversations around the advanced primary care or prospective payment model, uh, what kind of feedback did you get or questions or concerns did you hear from docs as it relates to actual patient outcome or patient experience? You know, there was a fear that pediatricians would need to, to pack or add patients to the panel to offset those early appointments that do need a lot of time and education and reassurance. Other physicians who had more experience with this, they could send me reams of data on improved hemoglobin A1Cs in their diabetics, improved hypertension control, you know, healthier kidneys for those patients who have chronic kidney disease because of the pivot from fee-for-service, let's get you in and out into minutes to I've got an hour to go over all your conditions and make a, make a comprehensive plan. I suspect you're talking about uh, docs who deal with the Medicare Advantage population under a capitated rate. Um, yes, and, yes. And, uh, yeah. and I would assume a lot of them have some uh, experience and, and that they could share uh, with docs across the network and I think in, in future podcasts, we'd love to get some, some folks who do Medicare Advantage on to just really share that experience because it holds a lot of value. Uh, I think there's a, a perception that um, prospective payment of today might look like capitation from the past where uh, it seemed like a big focus was how do I keep patients out of my office? Uh, whereas the, the prospective payment of today is more about how do I wrap services around the patient and their experience in a way that isn't dependent on them coming to the office? Um, certainly doesn't mean they're not coming to the office, but I can use telehealth. I can use folks in my office to do outreach. I can use care team members. All of those um, additional resources are really wraps and services around patients. I agree, and that really reflects the shift from a model where the physician is the center 
to more of a team-based model where you've got a team that's physician-led, but nurses who are empowered to help with patient care, MAs who are empowered, perhaps a quality manager in the office who's empowered, a pharmacist who's empowered. So you've got more members of the team who are empowered to do the work that in the past fell onto the physicians. Right. Well, and with that, you also get the opportunity to actually care for more people. You can take a physician as a resource and expand that physician's capacity to take care of more people, which helps our communities and certainly will have a positive financial impact on the practice. Exactly. And that's it for this episode of Primary First. Join us next time as we wrap up this conversation with Dr. Forbes. We'll discuss some of the ways we can utilize technology to avoid physician burnout, expand our capacity for care, and focus more on keeping our patients truly healthy.